0: Today on the show, I'm happy to have Alex Levin. who's the co-founder of Regal. They focus on phone and SMS outbound sales. So on the path to getting to this company, what was the journey of failing and what did you learn along the way?
1: Yeah, thank you, know. you for having me here today. I certainly failed up times in my career. My my typical quip is that my past bosses uh, certainly spent more in my education than my parents ever did. But the last company, we built an online home services provider, which is now the largest home services provider in the world. I made all sorts of mistakes. So at one point, I accidentally spent too much money in online marketing. and We probably spent about 800 grand too much without any return. And so that's an enormous mistake to make. Now, I like to think that over time, I, I did more for the company than I lost the company. So net, I think it was positive for them. but certainly... I think it's very common to learn on other people's dimes and I'd even recommend it. If you want to be a founder one day, take the opportunity to go work for an entrepreneur that you really admire. And part of the deal should be that you're obviously going to do great things for them, but that you're going to make mistakes and and you're going to learn from those mistakes on their
0: dime. I can't imagine the feeling when 800K marketing budget was spent.
1: Definitely not a good moment. There were. I also built a $70 million a year revenue business from scratch for
0: them. Like I say, in the end, things even out. There you go. Yeah, 800 for a $70 million return overall is pretty good. Yeah. So what inspired th- this venture with what you're working on now? So to some
1: extent, a failure at the last company. So as part of home services, we recognized that, yes, customers wanted to be able to come online and search for providers. But... They actually struggled to book online. They, or when they booked online, it wasn't a great experience. And so actually having a conversation with the customer helped a lot because it, you know, allowed them to build trust with us and allowed them to ask questions. That's the what was going on. The problem was that the legacy contact center technology for calling customers is really rudimentary. Basically a lead comes in, you stick the phone number in a list and you say, I'm going to call them X times for Y days. And that's terrible. Like we've all experienced it, put your phone number on some site and they're bashing you over the head with a phone number that you never want to answer. So I think we understood the value of having these great conversations and understood the problem with just calling customers 18 times. And like I said, it led to a lot of failures where customers were unhappy. Customers would even ask us to call them and we would try to reach them. They wouldn't answer because they, it was an unknown number. They didn't know it was us. And so Regal, the base premise was, one, there's all these more complicated consumer businesses coming online. So think of education, healthcare, lending, local services. Um, so they're coming online and they're going to need this combination of a digital experience and a conversation to actually be successful. And that's going to be the wind in our backs. These come online faster and faster. And there's not a set of tools that are offering real time, the ability to use data to personalize that outreach and make sure you're increasing the connect rate, increasing the on-call conversion, allowing the company to iterate. In other channels, like in email marketing, forever, there have been tools that allow you to do that. But in this phone outreach, this outbound contact center use case tool didn't exist. And for customers like SoFi today, which is a student loan refinance organization, they are very deeply integrated to us to give us all of their customer data. And they're using us to decide which customer gets what call when, whether you SMS or call, what's the next best action. You can even start using the information about what happens, not just on your site, in the actual conversation to drive the next script, to drive the next action, to personalize what you're doing to the customer next. And so I talked to some execs and they go, oh, it's the holy grail. To some extent, that is, right? Stop treating customers like they're interchangeable and fungible and start treating them like they're one in a million. And the trick is just how do you treat millions of customers, like one in a billion so they each know who you think they're
0: special. Is that where AI comes into play?
1: Yeah, honestly, at the beginning, the bet was not AI. So we knew eventually we were going to use the data we had to use machine learning and more sophisticated technologies to personalize. For the beginning, it was just giving companies the tools to hop a unified customer profile, personalize via journeys, how these other channels, those kind of personalized scripts and messages. Over time, what happened is the advances in large language models allowed us to accelerate some of that stuff much faster because we didn't have to go do the hard work of a large language model. We could take our customers who had an existing workflow in Regal and just enhance what they were currently doing with these large language models, both in terms of generating scripts and altering those sorts of things and in using what actually happened to make deterministic uh, predictions, let's say, about what to do next. I think that's massively accelerated our ability to help our customers drive better customer experiences and revenue. Now, I think you fast forward and the question that comes up is, is there going to be AI bot that replaces that human being entirely? Our basic take and comes from experience in other sort of technology transformations is that there'll be a long period where humans and this sort of AI co-pilot assistant, whatever you want to call it, coexist and they're supporting each other. If for no other reason, that AI certainly still hallucinates and it's still not quite accurate. So for important business processes, talk about life insurance to somebody, you need to make sure it's right. You can't let the AI do it entirely on its own. But let's say over time, whether it's five years or 20 years, there is the possibility that a bot, a voice bot becomes indistinguishable from a human. Great. Like, I think that would allow humans to do higher value work. Each time we've seen a inflection point like that, whether it's the iPhone or a washing machine. Everyone's afraid to eliminate jobs. The reality is it tends to not, it actually never has. What it does is it makes everybody more efficient and lets us work on more complicated things that the AI can't do. And actually offer customers even better customer experiences. And so our focus is then in that world gonna to shift to giving managers and the agents that are remaining the tools to use AI to drive even better experiences. So is this your first startup now, Alex? Well, I have been at a number of different startups for sure. This is the first one where well, we are the founders, and that's a big distinction. It's not our first time at the rodeo, so it's nice that we've seen other founders go through this. We've seen the challenges, see how they handled things and thought about how we would like to handle it. So I think that impacts us positively a lot. Still, it's, a, you know, first time in the hot seat, so to speak, is definitely different. In our case, both my co co-founder and I, for a long time, wanted to be founders. And so when we found the right opportunity that we really believed in, it was a nice fit. I think the mistake people make sometimes is you see them wanting to be founders for the wrong reasons or jumping into being a founder before they actually
0: find the business. That's the one they really care about. How did you know this was the right one? Did you, were you getting like a lot of early, like the customers were saying, oh, this is perfect for us? Yeah, a couple of pieces of it. You have to decide
1: yourself whether you want to go through that journey as a founder. It's a hard journey, right? ups and downs, like the buck stops with you. There is nobody else. Really decide, like I said, if for the right reasons you want to be a founder. The quip, and I can't remember who said this, that I like is if you really are not dedicated to it, it's too easy to stop and fail. So if for any reason you don't really want to do it, when the going gets rough, you're going to be taking the off-ramp and doing something else. So don't enter unless you really want to do it. Second, find a partner and don't go on Reddit, find the person randomly, like, somebody you work with for years, somebody you've known for years, find somebody that you can work with closely because other than like businesses running out of money, the number one reason these startups fail is because of co founder dysfunction. So make sure it's somebody really can work with well over a very long period of time. And then, yeah, you have to start figuring out which businesses are interesting to you. And so for us, we had a number that we thought were interesting and we started talking with customers about them and quickly found that a lot of these big outbound callers were tired of uh, the technology that forced them to treat customers terribly and forced them to do call calling and wanted to start having more ability to target the right customer with the right message at the right time in this channel, the same way they did in other channels. So they were open to the idea of driving up connection rate and on-call conversion with these sorts of tools. And so certainly that feedback is helpful. I think then what I usually recommend is get as far as you can before you raise venture capital, because people often make the mistake of thinking, if I convince a VC that this is a good business, that it's a good business, not. VCs will tell you, they make mistakes. You should go and do what you need to do. Ideally, build a little bit of a product and actually sell it before you start taking venture dollars. Because once you take venture dollars, you're really locked in for at least a year or two. And so if you find out after that that you're wrong, you are here in a year or two trying to get it right. So much better to figure it out first, fail quickly, and then find the business that you do want to go and raise money for, if raising money is the path you want to go
0: down. So if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you about Regal and learn more? How can they do so?
1: Yeah. If you're doing a lot of outbound calling, particularly if you have a big outbound contact center, feel free to email me at hello at regal.io or always go check out our site at regal.io. Happy to just chat shop or if it's time for you to get a new product, we can show you our product.
0: Thank you, Alex, for coming on the show and everybody for listening to another episode of Failing Success. If you like the show, make sure to give us a five-star review. I'm your host, Chad Galecki, and we'll see you next time.